Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hey, I'm Dan Dixon, the Chief Executive Officer of Endeavor Silver. Um, we're a mid-tier silver producer in Mexico. We've got two operating assets, one that we've been at for 15 years, underground vein mining, another one 14 years, underground vein mining. Uh, and we're coming into our third asset, the Terranera project. We just released a feasibility study on it. We think it's going to become the flagship asset for the company and ultimately always looking to grow. We're a silver producer with, with a byproduct of gold. So we have no base metals in our portfolio. And we're happy to continue to do what we've done for the last 15 years and grow here going forward. Okay, Dan, lovely uh, to have you um, on the show. Thanks for coming on. Um, we can't really call you a new guy. You, you, you've been there a while, but you're the new CEO as, as of May this year. What were you challenged with doing when you assumed that role? Oh, lots of challenges, always challenges. Um, the main thing for me is internal culture. And I've been with the company 13, 14 years now. So I was 13 years the CFO, so a big part of the executive team and kind of the direction of the company. Uh, we released our feasibility study. We've been working on our feasibility study with Terranera. So the biggest challenge from the board level is ultimately going to be delivery on the Terranera project. And we're going to have a formal construction decision on Terranera, I would say by December 15th, before the new year, for sure. But ultimately, internally, we had things that, I wanted to focus on internal culture, internal behavior, how we want to operate, safety becoming a fabric of the company. Not that we have to talk about safety, it's just in us, so to speak. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone has the courage to speak up, um, bottom up, so to speak. And with that, HR, having an HR department works, it helps, they can supplement. We need each of our managers to be human resource people and worry about our people. So people first. My first six months in, inside the company or as CEO, the mandates have effectively been working on internal culture. Now, after six months in the release of the feasibility study, uh, kind of moving out more towards our other stakeholders, our communities, our shareholders, governments, getting to know them, and then talking about how we can help be good corporate citizens. And we always talk about corporate integrity. So now I'm focused on that, which will be an important challenge going forward. Right. So you're the ex-CFO. I thought you'd be talking about the bottom line. Bottom line is important, but it's the drivers that get to that bottom line. So ultimately, it's about the process, not necessarily the results. And the results will come. They will come. And that's ultimately what's most important. But to get to those results, we need everything internally. So we're, once we once we have that safe production, we're going to be more efficient. Once our human resources and we keep our people retention and attract people, we'll be more efficient. All those efficiencies end up on the bottom line. Um, so bottom line is extremely important. As a CFO, you're right. That was probably one of the most important things to me. I'm an accountant by trade. Uh, but ultimately, it's how do we get to that bottom line? How do we put things in place to make sure that bottom line ends up growing over the time that I'm CEO? You've been there a long time, so you've been, you've been through it thick and thin, and you know a lot of thin uh, along the way. So, yeah. there, you've got a different set of challenges now at eight hundred. Well, depending what, yeah, so nine hundred million market cap. It, it's it's a very different type of company, different sets of challenges, small fires you got to put out every day. Um, but me as an investor, I'm looking at you going, well, all the all the value, all the gains have been had. I'm not sure what I should be looking. Uh, at this company for. I'm not sure why I should be investing in this company. It's been a fairly erratic year for you. You know, downward pressure on silver, downward pressure on your share price. So why should I be looking at you? Yeah, that's a very fair question. First of all, you have to believe in silver and gold. We do. Uh, with what we're seeing from a 
government sovereign debt standpoint, COVID checks, eventually that's going to work its way through. And transitory inflation is being talked about, whether that's here to stay or it's going to continue. My personal belief, it's going to continue. I'm obviously bullish on the price of silver. We've had a, a nice correction here over the last three to five months in silver. Uh, it hasn't been a great year. But what's what's important to us is I'm not necessarily always worried about today. It's about the future. And yes, we're a $900 million market cap. And we've had great gains. And we had great gains. We've actually come back and off that. So I think it's the time to invest. But what what's the company doing to grow? And that's for us, the Terranero project. So right now we produce about six and a half million is, is our guidance for 2021. We're going to exceed that guidance. Uh, but ultimately bringing Terranero online is going to double our production and cut our cost profile in half. So we saw an increase in our costs over the last six months. Uh, ultimately, we're going to bring a project on with such significant grades that we're going to be in the lowest decile of operating companies um, in our peer group for silver production from a cost standpoint over the life of that mine. Which is a good, good timing because your costs are going up elsewhere. You've got to bring fresh blood in, fresh revenue, and the lowest decile sounds impressive. Does that come through organic or have you acquired that? And what's the history? Yeah, I know it's organic. The company was built on the drill bit, so to speak. Um, Brad Cook, the founder of the company, my predecessor, he's an exploration geologist. Uh, his partner, the co-founder, exploration geologist. So now they have an accountant, but we do believe in the drill bit still. Um, Terranera itself, we acquired from Grupo de Mexico. It was actually concessions held by Grupo de Mexico, conglomerate family in Mexico. They held those concessions from 1934 to 2011. Literally almost 80 years, they put five drill holes on that concession in five, in, in the 80 years. We've, we've put close to, I got to say, probably up in the 180 range of drill holes in our five years of holding it. So um, for us, we're going to continue doing that. We're going to continue to focus on drilling and exploration and bringing projects on on online with Terranera and then ultimately have other products behind it. So continue to do that going forward. Right. So organic is the way forward or the bulk of the way forward. Will you be opportunistic? I mean, it's again, it's a tough one. It's expensive, it's expensive to buy at, at the moment. So but organic is the focus. How much money have you got to, you know, drive that strategy? Yeah, our balance sheet's in great shape. We have 125 million cash at June 30th. That's grown here in the third quarter. Uh, working capital is north of 150 million or near 150 million. Uh, no debt, no long-term debt on our balance sheet at this point. Six million dollars of equipment leases due in the next year, so we're in phenomenal shape. But you're right, uh, organic growth is important. You can create a lot of value that way. But we are inquisitive of what's out there in the market. We actually bought a small asset in Nevada, very opportunistic, to be honest. Uh, it was a gold asset, 300,000 ounces of gold. It was in a junior mining company. Unfortunately for them. Uh, they, they owed debt, I think June 30th, they extended that out, but they owed about $7 million. They had about $250,000 in the bank. So they're in a lot of trouble. They also did a crypto token tied to the gold in the ground. Did not work extremely well for them. I think it was, um, ill executed, maybe ill thought out, but at the end of the day, that was their decision and it created an opportunity for us. So we came in, uh, they had a historical PA, uh, PA on it, an economic analysis on it, valued at about 90 to 95 million. So we think we were being very opportunistic there. We've got work to do in Nevada. We're gonna put an exploration plan together over the next two years and ultimately see if we can bring that into a study, at least to the study level um, in Nevada and continue to try to grow the company that way. So. 
Uh, there is exploration drilling there, organic growth, but at the same time being inquisitive uh, and trying to find assets to put into our portfolio at a fair price. And there's going to be a day that we find an asset that's producing and, and we can add a lot of value that way too. But those are hard to come by. And as you touched on, they can get expensive and you got to be very careful, but you want to be able to take swings. That's for sure. I mean, that's, that's a small acquisition, but do you think the market is due some big mergers, some you know big moves to kind of... You know, there's there's lots of players of a certain size, like you know, similar to you, with at varying stages. Some not even in production yet, um, who are talking the talk. But do you think that will actually happen? Does it need to happen? Uh, does it need to happen at this point? No, I don't think costs have got out of the way that more scales need it yet. But there's going to be a time it's going to have to happen. It's just interesting in the silver space. You've seen a lot of primary silver producers pick up gold. Gold assets have been purchased by Silver Standards, no longer Silver Standard, it's SSR. Um, Pan American Silver's gold portfolio has grown considerably. Fortuna Gold just went and bought a gold asset in West Africa and now produced almost 80% of their revenue comes from other metals, not silver. So the scarcity in primary silver assets is difficult. We haven't seen a lot come to market in the last three to five years. Uh, there's a couple in Mexico and the Terra Nera project for us. So I think there needs to be more discovery at primary silver level for our my industry and our industry um, before there's going to be consolidation, but it will come. It will come. It's the normal cycles. We see it all the time. Costs get out of control. We need some economies of scale, remove some of those, that G&A costs from corporate levels, and it will happen. Uh, we hope to be one that eventually is involved with some of that stuff, but it's got to be at the right place, right time. All that stuff needs to work out well. Okay, I mean, your balance sheet looks pretty healthy at the moment, but you know, if I, if I look at the number of silver Mexico plays, which were trying to take advantage of the market last year, a lot of sentiment-driven uh, activity, not necessarily based on fundamentals, strong fundamentals or strong assets, quite frankly, um, yeah. or management teams with relevant experience. I'm just wondering, that's why I'm intrigued and pushing you a little bit on this M&A component. Yeah, There's got to be sure. a few candidates out there who perhaps with a little bit more, give them a little bit more time will put themselves in a position where they're going to need a little bit of help. A little bit of Yeah, absolutely. There's candidates out there. I'm not allowed to talk about those candidates, but they're, they're always out there, right? And um, there are... There's always guys looking. It's whether you can make that asset better by acquiring it um and ultimately operating you got to believe in the resource you've got to believe in what you can do to add value because if you're you're, if you're buying a company call it for 500 million dollars how are you going to add value for your shareholders to make that 500 million worth 750 800 million so to speak okay so um, so let, let's let's get back to you sorry i'm just sort of intrigued by the, the yeah. market silver market's been so so erratic and you know precious metals generally in the last 12 months have had a little bit of downward pressure there and um, with regards to what you're doing you're talking about organic growth and with terranera coming along it's going to sort of i guess help boost the um production profile you know help you with costs etc so what would that move you from and to are you, have you have you given guidance on what your expectations are yeah we give guidance and it's in our feasibility study uh we this year we're going to produce close to seven million ounces if not a little bit more that was our high end of our guidance terranera when it comes online it's gonna be a 12-year mine life it's underground vein mine exactly what we do at guanasvi and bolonitos but ultimately we think we're going to end up being there 15 20 25 years uh it's a it's going to run 30, 33, 3, sorry, 33,000 ounces of gold and 3.3 million ounces of silver over the life of that mine. 
We're going to front end load some of that production, but ultimately it's going to double our production from a silver equivalent standpoint. So we're going to go from 7 million ounces to 13 million ounces, and it's going to cut our cost profile in half. So you touched on it early in the interview. Our costs had increased a little bit here in the last quarter. We do expect that to come down. Uh, but ultimately, Guanasi and Balnitos are mature assets. They're steady state. We've been there a long time. You're still going to have ups and downs in your cost profile. But Terranera is going to be a fresh ore body. No one's ever been there before. Our projected costs from a cash cost basis using $15.75 gold and $20 silver is $0.59 cents per ounce of silver. $0.59 cents per ounce of silver. That's, that's going to make it through a $16 silver cycle, $14 silver cycle. It's going to be phenomenal when we start uh, operating it. The all-in sustaining costs, so including the sustaining capital over that 12 years, is $3 and change, again, using those same prices. Um, so $14 silver, $16 silver, Terranera is going to look really well at these prices today and where we expect to go a lot higher. But at the end of the day, it's about costs and cost control, and you touched on it. Like our our other assets, like I say, are, are steady state and mature. Terranera is going to take us into a whole new cost profile and change the company. Well, the, the, you're getting to the point I wanted to get to, which is in a very meaningful way, when you reach a certain size, I stop looking at the individual assets and I look, I look at that bottom line. So in terms of your, okay. your, your costs, the margins, et cetera. So you've got two steady state projects with costs are rising, but with this new return error coming in, it's going to help obviously reduce that significantly. But you've got to do a couple of things for the institutional shareholders. You've got to deliver consistent numbers and you've got to deliver in, in terms of production, but also in terms of, of margin. So Terranera is great, good start. At some point, the two older assets are going to start getting a little bit more expensive. So what's next after Terranera? And I'm sorry, maybe maybe uh, being a Debbie Downer here, but you want to talk about Terranera. It's great, but what next? What's next? So we have another project in Mexico called Corral. It's in the state of Chihuahua. We've grown the resources to 40 million ounces of silver. Our goal is to get to 60, 65 million ounces of silver. And once we get that, which we expect kind of either at the end of this year or mid-year in 2022, uh, we'll put an economic study on that and try to move that forward to a development decision. So it's a long history of mining up in that area. It's in the south part of Chihuahua. There's mines all around our project. Uh, so permitting will be relatively more easy than what it was at Terranera. But there is a pathway for more silver ounces coming to our portfolio. After that, we still have exploration property. So uh, the Nevada asset that we talked about, we also have three projects in Chile. Um, two really large world-class projects uh, and another silver project we call AIDA. We're going to have permits on here in the coming weeks and we're going to start drilling that uh, in October, November of this year. Do you, dip, Again, do you do dividends? We do not do dividends. We don't right. have the cash flow at this point. We have too much growth profile, in my opinion, too much growth profile to give out any dividends at this point. One day, one day we will provide a dividend. But the, where Endeavor is as a company and where our assets are, we're still looking for that growth profile before we get out there with a dividend. Okay, which is right, and I think your shareholders would probably you know appreciate that. So, with the money that you've got, how much are you allocating to exploration at the you know current assets in terms of resource expansion? How many? How, how much money are you allocating in terms of the you know younger you know profiled uh, projects that you've got, um, both in not just not just in Mexico but in Chile but in the US? Yeah. 
So our 2021 expiration budget was $10 million and that was spread across five different properties. Our, our, our brownfields work, Bolognitos and, and Guanas V, about $2 million a piece, $2 million at Terranera, $2 million in Chile and $2 million up in Peru. Uh, so we've allocated pretty, pretty evenly across our, those five operations. Now we move money throughout the year, whether we're getting results one way or another. The good news is we have very positive results at Bolognitos and Guanas V. So you did touch on, we are mature there and one day it's going to end, but Guanas V in 2019, we made a new discovery called El Perso. Uh, that discovery is reminding it today. It's some of the highest grade material we've ever brought out of that mine. And that's going to continue for the next four or five years at minimum. Uh, lots of other exploration potential still at Guanas V. Bolognitos, maybe not so much. It's, it's more mature, four to five years of horizon, maybe more if we can acquire more land, but we've got to do the work and we'll get there. So we're focused on Peral. Hopefully Aida goes as well as we expect it will, but uh, it's exploration. So you never know until you pull that drill, that drill core up. And so, so why I'm interested, interested in that, you know, the way that management teams plan for the future. So you're sp spreading the load there rather than saying, hey, we need another Terranera real quick. Let's plow a disproportionate amount of the exploration budget on that to expedite things. Yeah. It, the reason why it comes down to you need to look at that drill course. So if you're saying, hey, I want to go spend $5 million today on Peral, you're getting ahead of ourselves. And our VP of exploration is very methodical. So it's step-by-step, -step, trenching, sampling, geo work, geophysics, uh, then drilling, looking at a drill core, documenting it, putting it into a model before we do our next drill hole. So a, you can say, let's do $5 million and let's drill this thing out. But with underground veins and what we're looking for, it's not efficient. It takes time. Um, I, I guess at the end of the day, you could throw more people at it. But now you're getting a lot of different insights of where to go, what to think. Can you like rather have that on kind of one or two individuals hypothesizing and, and discussing it and making those calls of where we're going to drill next. And so it's not as easy as let's just drill the hell out of it and get it done with. It's, it's, it's methodical and it's science. There is science behind it as much as I joke sometimes with those guys, there isn't. So, But does, does Terranera give you enough time to actually do things the right way? Because we say, again, you sort of see companies out there trying to get big headline numbers, trying to get a reaction from the market, not focus on doing it properly. And sometimes, and, and also sometimes you kind of got to do a little bit of both, just, you know, manage both sides of it properly in the underground and also in the market. So are you yeah, under any pressure? It's moderation. it's moderation like any other thing in life. You need a little bit one way and a little bit the other. We're lucky that we do have cash flow from Buenos Aires and Bolognitos. We don't need to rush and get, make headlines. Terranera was our headline. As a business owner, Terranera is our next project. We've got a two-year build on it. We've hired a gentleman that's come off building two other mines. He's our new chief operating officer, built a mine in Colombia, built a mine in, in Guatemala, known as a great builder. He's done a phenomenal job with those other assets. We expect him to do a phenomenal job with Terranera. So that's our main focus. As we touched on in the very first question, what's the biggest challenge from our board level? It's executing on Terranera, coming, on, coming in on time, on budget. That's everything. Corral, it's another team, another group working on it. They can slowly, methodically work through that. If everything goes well, maybe our build team goes from Terranera to Corral, but then we're getting ahead of ourselves. We've got to do that exploration work. We've got to do those economic studies to make sure we're not wasting shareholders' money building something in Corral that's not going to make money. But it sounds like you're, you're, 
you've got you've got a bunch of cash. Like I said the balance sheet is quite tidy. Yeah. Um, you've got a bunch of cash, and you're going to plow it back in the ground. So no no dividends anytime soon. You're saying you're building this company for future accretive growth, or do you think that that's going to come and it's just a temporary blip in the market for you at the moment? I mean, at the end of the day, people want to see that Terranair is built on time on budget, and then it's going to be, and then so there's going to be a catalyst there where we're going to get a re-rating effectively. And then they want to see that it operates and meets those cost expectations. And once that happens, I think we get another re-rating. Um, so when that happens, I mean, there's so many factors that go into that. Look at the macro environment right now. Silver is contracting and we've seen a correction. Now, hopefully it's bounced off $22 and going the other way. And you never know what poor decision a government's going to make uh, in the next six weeks, eight weeks. Maybe it's six months down the line, but to be honest, those poor decisions come and that's going to be a catalyst. I think gold's ready to break out. If it can get above 1800 again and hold there, that always gold moves first and silver lags and follows. And obviously not obviously, but oftentimes overshoots what gold's done. So um, I think it's just a matter of time. We just want to position ourselves for that. And Terranera, you can build a mine only so fast. The building time for us is two years. Generally, what you see in the mining space is guys overextend that. We want to be on time. I think that's the most important thing. Being on time reduces our costs, the management costs, the accounting costs, the administrative costs, contractors on site. If we can stay on schedule, we can make sure we hit our budget at costs from a build standpoint. I'm interested in that. So what's your, what's your take on this? You're saying, you know, obviously, silver will follow gold. It lags behind gold, and then sometimes oversheats it, which is great. Yep. Few, few silver companies come on here and they start talking the, the language of the utility of silver and therefore maybe the rules won't apply the same way in the, in, in the future. Are you kind of factoring that in? Is that part of your narrative? Yeah, I factor it in. I mean, you've got long history and I know silver, the industrial use of silver has been changing and a lot more use from a greenification standpoint in our electric vehicles and solar panels, et cetera, et cetera. But I always think if you've got 100 years worth of data, that hundred years worth of data, I'm an accountant, right? That hundred years worth of data is a, a better benchmark than necessarily people thinking about the future. There's no doubt we've seen a growth in industrial uses of silver for sure. And that's going to factor into it. Um, but there's the big swings come when the monetary aspects come into it and people start buying it from a speculative standpoint and they want to protect themselves against um, the depreciation, obviously, of the U.S. dollar. And, I think when that happens and you get retail people buy, uh, buying into it, and that's going to happen on gold first, when that hits on silver, that's when you're going to get those big shocks because we're seeing supply issues everywhere. I mean, I can't get an electric vehicle right now. I purchased it in March and it's not going to show up till January of next year. Um, yeah, frustrating. Absolutely. But at the same time, that impacts manufacturing right now and showing that because of the chip shortage, we're not making as many cars. And I know that's going to eventually catch up. Um, but I don't see that happening until next year, mid-year next year, and we'll see. My daughter would agree with you. It's very frustrating. <laughs> hers, hers arrives in October, apparently. Um, right. When you talked about governments earlier, um, yep. which government were you referring to? The U.S. government making some wonky decisions or the Mexican Mexican government making wonky decisions? I would say when I say that, I say I, it's, it's actually a generalization across all governments. Um, everybody does makes their decisions for themselves and right or wrong. I just always see them to be relatively poor and that's just an opinion. I think governments sometimes need to get out of everybody's way, but 
I, I don't want to get too politicized with it. I just no. think ultimately what we're doing from, from battling COVID and helping people with free checks in the United States, free checks in Canada, uh, eventually that's got to come home to roost. Um, yeah. You want to be in hard assets when it does. Yeah, let, let's not talk about government spending our money. Um, <laughs> right, Dan, I appreciate um, your time today and the update. Like I said, we spoke with, I think, Brad back in what, September 2020. So it's good to see how things are moving. Well done with uh, Terra Nera. Um, it'd be good to see how that moves forward. Stay in touch with us now. Hey, get on, okay? Awesome. Thank you. Much appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.